Let's read the good news this morning in Matthew 1. If you turn in your Bibles to page 959, in your pew Bibles, page 959, Matthew 1, Mark tells us that Jesus came, starting a new beginning. John tells us how in the broad strokes of amazing theology, the word, the eternal word became flesh. And now the Holy Spirit tells us in Matthew how that happened. How the word became flesh in the family tree of David and Abraham. Matthew 1, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar, and Perez the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Ram, and Ram the father of Amminadab, and Amminadab the father of Nashon, and Nashon the father of Salmon, and Salmon the father of Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of David the king. And David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah. And Solomon, the father of Rehoboam, and Rehoboam, the father of Abijah, and Abijah, the father of Asaph, and Asaph, the father of Jehoshaphat, and Jehoshaphat, the father of Joram, and Joram, the father of Uzziah, and Uzziah, the father of Jotham, and Jotham, the father of Ahaz, and Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah, and Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh, and Manasseh, the father of Amos, and Amos, the father of Josiah, and Josiah, the father of Jeconiah, and his brothers at the time of the deportation to Babylon. And after the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shealtiel, and Shealtiel the father of Zerubbabel, and Zerubbabel the father of Abiad, and Abiad the father of Eliakim, and Eliakim the father of Azor, and Azor the father of Zadok, and Zadok the father of Achim, and Achim the father of Eliad, and Eliad the father of Eleazar, and Eleazar the father of Mathan, and Mathan the father of Jacob, And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ or Messiah. So all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations. And from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations. And from the deportation to Babylon to the Christ, 14 generations. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit." She will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, 
but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. This is God's good word, and may he build our faith and our lives by this word. Let's expect much from him. Brothers and sisters, the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm sure that if you go to a writer's clinic and you're learning how to write a book, and you say, I think I want to start my book on so-and-so with a genealogy, they would say, no. Maybe an appendix in the back. You don't start with a genealogy, a list of all kinds of names people can't pronounce, people that you don't know. Maybe a few geeks will read it, but for the rest, people will close the book, put it away, and not go to it. But Matthew starts with a genealogy, a list of 42 names. Really? It's not Matthew, it's the Holy Spirit using Matthew's pen to introduce Jesus Christ here with a genealogy. Obviously, to God, this is very, very important for us to know, or he wouldn't do it. He puts it right up front so we can see where he fits in the human family, in the human race. And that he's really, truly, and fully connected to us. He didn't just appear out of nowhere as an extraterrestrial. He didn't just parachute in as a virtual human, but not really a member of our race. The word became flesh means the eternal word entered in through a family tree, the human family tree. And as a specific child of a specific family. That he's the son of Mary, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And those are the three things we want to see this morning about how Jesus Christ joined the human family as the son of Abraham, the son of David, the son of Mary. And all three are extremely important. So let's hear God's word. Jesus Christ joined the human family as the son of Abraham. Look at verse 1. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And then it goes through that first section. It's divided into three sections of 14 generations. Abraham, father of Isaac, father of Jacob, father of Judah and his brothers, father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar, father of Hezron, Perez, the father of Hezron. Hezron, father of Ram. Ram, the father of Amminadab. Amminadab, the father of Nashon. Nashon, the father of Salmon. Salmon, the father of Boaz by Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obed by Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of David, the king. It's the Abraham section. The whole thing, of course, is the family tree of Abraham. Now, what does that tell you, first of all? The genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. It tells us that the New Testament is not a new book. It's part of the same old book. 
It's a continuation of the Old Testament, a continuation of the story of God's covenant and kingdom. Someone has said, the only page that should be taken out of our Bibles is this one, the one between the old and the new. Because it suggests that these are two books when they're one. Story of one covenant. One covenant of grace. One family. One work of God. One story. One book with two chapters. Promise, Old Testament, fulfillment. We're starting chapter two. Fulfillment. Son of Abraham. This is the child of God's promise to Abraham in his covenant with Abraham so long ago. Remember God pulled Abram and Sarai out of their pagan roots and country and brought them to a new land to start a new nation with them. A special people of God, a chosen race set apart from all the other nations and peoples of the world. Wow, because they were better? Absolutely not. I think if you see the history in this genealogy, it's not because they're better. It wasn't because you were better or more righteous or greater in number, but because I loved you, says God, in the book of Deuteronomy. And then he made a promise to Abraham. Do you remember this promise? I'll I'll read it from Genesis 12. I will make of you a great nation, Abraham. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. In you, this man set apart to become a nation set apart. In you, I will go out and bless all the nations. Oh, wait. So it's a nation set apart to bless all the nations in you. What does that mean? In you, Abraham, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Well, God gets more specific in Genesis 22. Listen, I will surely bless you, Abraham, and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that's on the seashore. So I'll give you many offspring. But then he he narrows it down to one offspring. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. Shall possess the gate of his enemies. This offspring finally is ultimately one person. And in your seed, your offspring, shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you've obeyed my voice. That's how you, Abraham, will bring blessing to all the nations. Not you yourself, but you in your seed. Your offspring, your son, your child, the child that's coming from your line. One child. And that child is this one, Jesus. He's going to bring blessing to all the nations. He's going to come to earth in Abraham's family. A member of the Jewish nation. And he's going to live a sinless life. And he's going to go to the cross as an offering to sin. What? To buy salvation for all the families of the earth. All the nations. He's going to come from Abraham's line. For all the nations. Abraham's an international person. That's why his name, remember, was changed from Abraham to, anybody remember? Abraham to, 
Abraham, right? Abraham meaning father of many nations, father of nations. And Sarai's name was changed to Sarah, meaning mother of kings. Wow, God has an international plan, purpose, and promise with this man Abraham and his wife Sarai. And then later Sarah. And listen to that plan. Accomplished through the blood of Jesus Christ, Revelation 5, where Jesus is honored as the lamb that was slain. And by your blood, you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you've made them a kingdom and priest to our God and they shall reign on the earth. Here's what the Holy Spirit's doing through Matthew. Matthew is specifically written for a Jewish audience. Yet others are to listen in too, but to convince the Jews that Jesus is the promised son of the covenant. But notice how Matthew ends the gospel with the great commission. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Jesus is not only for the Jews. The salvation that he came to bring is not only for the Jews. It's to bring blessing to all the families of the earth. So Christmas is a reminder of two amazing comforting truths for us in Jesus, the son of Abraham. First of all, God always keeps his word. He may seem slow about it as far as our timekeeping goes, but for God, it's always just at the right time. Everything is just exactly where he wants it. When the time had fully come, God sent forth his son. But he always keeps his word. And you can take any promise of the Bible. Of course, you have to interpret it rightly. You can take any promise of the Bible and take it to the bank. Rest in it. Hide your life in God's promises. Let his word be a refuge to you. He will keep his word to you. If he would keep this ultimate promise of his son and keep it at a time when Israel was at a low point, in all history, the time Jesus came. If he will keep this great promise to such a poor, lowly, needy, and broken and sinful people, then you can count on him to keep every other promise that he's made to you in your need and brokenness. Believe in God. Believe in his word. Believe in his son. You may be hesitant to trust in God, maybe because you've been hurt by so many broken promises and you've become cynical. I don't trust promises. Promises are made to be broken, right? Maybe you're hesitant to trust in God's promises because you think your life is so dark and so far gone that it's irreparable. I'm unfixable. Or maybe you're hesitant to trust because you think you're not worthy of God's promises and he's done with you. You've sinned yourself out of reach. I call you today. God calls you today. Take every promise. Believe and it will be done for you. It will be done for you. 
And the other thing this reminds us is that Jesus is bigger than the Jewish people. The son of Abraham was born for all peoples. And when you believe in Jesus, he puts you in a family that's bigger than any one clan or nationality. When you trust in Jesus, he makes you part of the family of Abraham, which is an international, worldwide family that includes Asians and Africans and Indians and Russians and Europeans and South Americans and Latin Americans and North Americans and on and on. And so don't let your life, don't let your life get too small so that your faith and your Christianity are limited to just your tiny little clan. Jesus was born to an international man, father of many nations, Abraham, to save you and make you part of an international community. Let's be great commission Christians who go out to all nations, who pray for all nations, care for all nations. Secondly, he's the son of David. Jesse, verse 6, the father of David the king. And David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah. And Solomon the father of Rehoboam. And Rehoboam the father of Abijah. And Abijah the father of Asaph. And Asaph the father of Jehoshaphat. And Jehoshaphat the father of Joram. And Joram the father of Uzziah. And Uzziah the father of Jotham. And Jotham the father of Ahaz. Ahaz the father of Hezekiah. Hezekiah the father of Manasseh. Manasseh the father of Amos. Amos the father of Josiah. And Josiah the father of Jeconiah, or Jehoiachin, and his brothers at the time of the deportation to Babylon. What we read here is a dynasty. Now Luke traces Jesus' bloodline through David's son, Nathan. Matthew, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, traces Jesus' royal or legal line through Solomon. And they both end up in the same place. Genealogies are very complicated. A lot of scholars have done a lot of work to compare Luke and Matthew, but they fundamentally agree when you understand the purposes of each genealogy in God's plan. So, Matthew traces Jesus' legal line through the kings, and he skips a bunch because he wants the number 14, but he gives us an overview of 14 of the kings, the line of David, the kings of Judah. Now, we'll get to that in a moment. Why 14? But here's another huge promise of God that's being fulfilled in the birth of Christ. Remember God's covenant with David in 2 Samuel 7. David wanted to build the Lord a house. And you remember what God said to David? You will not build me a house. I will build you a house. Meaning a dynasty, a line of kings, a throne, a kingdom. And finally, God promises David, your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. It's a forever throne and a forever kingdom with a forever king. Except all the kings died. 
until this one came. Yes, he died, but he rose again. And he's seated on the throne of David forever. That's what Gabriel told Mary. Listen to Luke 1. The Davidic promise, Luke 1. Mary, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Here is the seed, the son of David. And you can hear Israel crying and complaining and pleading Lord, send the son of David to rescue us from our sin, our woes, and our foes. We need help. Israel is so broken down, Jesse's tree has become a stump. Our lives are broken. We need great David's greater son. And they're looking for this great king to lift their lives out of misery and despair. We sing of that in O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Listen to these two David prayers. O come, O branch of Jesse's stem, unto your own and rescue them. From depths of hell your people save and give them victory o'er the grave. O come, O key of David, come and open wide our heavenly home. Make safe for us the heavenward road and bar the way to death's abode. So save your people from the depths of hell. Open wide our heavenly home. We need a king who's going to rescue us from the depths, the pit of hell and destruction and punishment. And it's going to lift us up and take us all the way to God and heaven and eternal life and the new creation. We need a king. And he has come. How do we receive him? Think of blind man Bartimaeus sitting by the side of the road begging. And he hears Jesus is coming along. And he knows he's the son of David. The great king who takes care of the needy. In his eyes, our blood is precious. You remember what he cried out? Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. But you know, the Canaanite woman did the same when her daughter was tormented, controlled by a demon. Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. That's how we are to receive him. He's the king We've always needed and always wanted. Aren't you done with earthly kings who make promises and don't deliver? Our national leaders are so disappointing. We need them for our earthly well-being. We depend on them to make good laws and have good policies to help their people, but they don't so often. They're out to pursue their own agenda and exploit their people so that they can climb up on our backs.
But it's not true for the Lord Jesus Christ who promises and delivers the greatest gifts of all. Lord Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Here's a king who's a great shepherd who came to lay down his life for you. We'll take you into green pastures and lead you beside the quiet waters and restore your soul and guide you down the paths of righteousness for his name's sake and lead you through the valley of the shadow of death and take you all the way to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So give your poor and needy life to him, brothers and sisters. Ask him to take your life and rescue you from the depths of hell and sin and lift you up to a life of serving God and living for his glory a life that will bring you to heaven so often the king and I pass each other like ships in the night and I know he's there but I don't call on him And he calls us today to connect with him in our need, our addiction, our hurt, our pain, our worry, to lay it on his shoulder and say, oh, King, Jesus, have mercy on me. And David said in Psalm 18 of his king, the Lord, your gentleness has made me great. He's such a gentle and lowly king. Let the manger persuade you of that. And his gentleness, his lowliness, is to rescue you, lift you up, and make you great. Really. Trust him. The son of David, who's a fulfillment of all that David was supposed to be and much more. And I think that's why the Holy Spirit emphasizes the number 14 in this chapter. Do you wonder why Matthew, the Holy Spirit, arranges the genealogy in three sets of 14? Look at verse 17. So all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations. From David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations. From the deportation to Babylon to the Christ, 14 generations. Maybe you remember us talking about this before. He skips a lot of generations to come to the number 14. And, and it's not like he's trying to trick us. All the Jews know that. That he's making a point with the number 14. And I think the point is this. The Hebrew language does not have numbers. So the alphabets double, the al- letters of the alphabet double as numbers. And when you take the three Hebrew letters, DVD, and that's how David is spelled in Hebrew, DVD, the D is four value, the V is six, and then the D four again. Four, six, four. What does that add up to? Fourteen. So three times, fourteen. David is coming. David is coming. David is coming. Or the son of David is coming. The son of David's coming. The son of David's coming. It's the good news in structure. It's excitement. It's joy. Oh, rejoice. The king has come. Your king. And put your life and your family's life, your church's life, 
all nations in his hand. Well, thirdly, he's the son of Mary too. How did the son of Abraham, the son of David, come to be conceived and born and join the human family? And that's the third part of the genealogy in verses 12 through 16. After the exile, we trace Jesus' line from Jehoiachin to Shealtiel to Zerubbabel to Abiad, and all the way in verse 16 to Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. And what an amazing story that is. Even though baby Jesus was conceived without the involvement of a human father, it was a miracle. Worked by God the Holy Spirit to create a real human being from the flesh and blood of a young virgin named Mary, probably 12, 13, 14 years old. And yet it was through the involvement of Joseph, his adoptive father, that he enters the line of David. Because Joseph is the son of David. And so legally, born into this arrangement, Biological son of Mary, adoptive son of Joseph, son of David. He's brought into the line of David. Because Joseph was betrothed. And that's a legal arrangement which took a legal divorce to break in those days. And that's what he wanted to do. When he found out that she was expecting a child and they weren't fully married... He wanted to divorce, divorce her quietly to spare her much shame and misery. Because he could have said, he could have gone public, taken her to court. She has committed adultery, taken her dowry, exposed her to public shame, made her bankrupt. But he didn't do that. And as he was considering how to do this quietly and Keep it as as soft and gentle for her as possible. The Lord, and I love this story of faith. It's like the story of Mary's faith in Luke 2, Joseph's faith. The Lord sent an angel to explain to him what was going on. And what did Joseph do? He believed. He believed the story. It's a true story. Because he knows that with God all things are possible. And he believed the promise that the Christ was coming. And he stayed with her. And he kept the engagement on. The betrothal. And then he married her before the baby was born. Even though this would bring public disgrace on him. And so Joseph, son of David... brings the son of Mary into the line of David as his adoptive father. What an amazing story. And because the child is also his through adoption, he also, along with Mary, is given the authority to name him. him. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And he does so. And the son of Mary is the fulfillment of God's great promise made through Isaiah. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Verse 23. God joined the human family.
through the flesh and blood of the Virgin Mary. And as you look through this family true or tree, that name Jesus, he will save his people from their sins. That name Jesus becomes obvious and meaningful. Because this tree has a lot of sin. Doesn't every family album leave certain pictures out? Because those pictures are uncomfortable and those pictures are a disgrace. But God puts the bad pictures in. He doesn't clean up the list to make it ready for publication. And there's a lot of sin in these names. Look at any one of them. Abraham. Isaac. Jacob, what a rascal. Solomon. Hate to talk about a lot of that stuff. How could that be? Ahaz. Manasseh, what a bad guy. Ammon, called Amos here. And all the rest. But at some points, God gives explicit mention. Look at verse 2 and 3. Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers, Oh, what a band of brothers they were. Evil men and how they abused Joseph and then sold him into slavery. And then it mentions Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar, his daughter-in-law, incest. Lord, don't put the worst photos in the family album of Jesus. And then verse five, Salmon, the father of Boaz by Rahab, who was a prostitute and a pagan before she was converted. And Boaz, the father of Obed by Ruth, a Moabitess, and a pagan idolater before she was converted. Oh, and then verse six, David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah. He kills two birds with one stones. The wife, Bathsheba, adultery. Uriah, the husband who he murdered to cover the adultery. Puts it all there. Then verse 11, Jeconiah and his brothers. What a sordid mess that was. And the time of the exile to Babylon because of their idolatry and disobedience. Well, if Jesus is willing to join the human family at this intersection, Guess what? You can be sure that he's serious about saving sinners. If he's not ashamed to call them his brothers, he's not ashamed to come to you and save you from your sins and rescue you. He becomes fully embedded in the messes of the human race in order to stand in our place and become sin for us. Even though he remained himself undefiled, holy, set apart from sin. And it reminds me of what Paul the Apostle says. This is a trustworthy saying and deserves full acceptance that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. Amen. Father in heaven, What a mercy that you have sent your son to us to fulfill the promise of salvation to all nations. Fulfill the promise of a king who would rescue us 
Come to the needy and the afflicted and save them. And bring them back to God and make a kingdom of us. And we see these skeletons in this closet. These pictures that should be left out of the photo album according to us. And you put them in to tell us Jesus was born from me. May not one of us, Lord, be too ashamed to come to Christ and receive him as our Savior and all the salvation that he brings. Lord, we thank you for your awesome work of joining the human family. We adore you, we praise you, And we thank you that now we can be part of your family through faith. Amen.